BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. A hotly contested bill banning caste-based discrimination in California workplaces is moving through the state legislature. While some contend that caste-based claims would fit underneath more general ancestry protections, proponents say that the specific nature of caste discrimination requires explicit protections, especially in places like Silicon Valley. Opponents of the bill question the prevalence of caste discrimination in the United States, and say the specific focus is based on and will fuel negative stereotypes of South Asians generally and Hindus specifically. We'll talk to the lawmaker who wrote the bill and members of the South Asian community fighting for and against the law. That's all coming up next after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Good to be back with you live California bans many types of discrimination on the basis of race, gender, ethnicity, sexual orientation, ancestry. So it might seem obvious that if caste is a category of possible discrimination, then it should be included in the state's legal language. But this new perspective bill banning discrimination on the basis of caste is a bit different. Everybody has a race, a gender, ancestry. Not all of us have a caste or even know what it is. And caste systems, while not exclusive to South Asia, are largely associated with that part of the world and the diasporas that emanate from it. We'll get into all this, but suffice to say, it's complicated. So today we're going to look at this bill from a variety of different perspectives. Joining us first, we've got the bill's author, State Senator Aisha Wahab from Fremont, author of Senate Bill 403. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Senator, can you just say, what are you hoping to accomplish with this bill? It's very simple, simply to ensure that all people who are discriminated based on caste have the legal resources that they can have uh, in the state of California to defend themselves and to make sure that employers and other organizations understand that they are not allowed to discriminate based on caste. So you represent a district with a particularly large South Asian population. Can you talk about what you've heard from your constituents about the discrimination they face and how this might affect your, your district? Definitely. Um, You know, my district is incredibly diverse. And I often say that with diverse representation, you are going to elevate issues that have historically not been talked about in the mainstream. And that's exactly what this bill signifies in so many ways. Uh, Constituents in my district specifically have talked about discrimination in the workplace, as well as temples, as well as many other areas. So, for example, the fact that the CSU system has adopted um, language to prohibit caste discrimination 
is because in Cal State East Bay, formerly known as Cal State Hayward, there was a case there. We have individuals in the larger Bay Area that have also shared stories um, from the human trafficking case in Berkeley to you hear the Google case, the Cisco case, the uh, Facebook situation. Um, so many different areas where people have felt the need to protect themselves and couldn't. Yeah. So this bill has become a very contentious issue. You know, hundreds of people coming out on both sides for, for every hearing. What do you think it is that has fueled this kind of engagement? I think any civil rights bill uh, raises a lot of um, emotions, and some people like to pretend it doesn't exist. Other people finally feel like they can be seen and heard on this issue. Um, So I think that there's a lot of effort going on, and I think that the opponents of this bill, specifically, you know, when when you dismiss the fact that discrimination is taking place or that somebody else has a lived experience, that's wrong, too. Right. And I've heard that argument. I'm disappointed in that argument um, because we know that discrimination exists in a lot of different areas. And I think that this bill helps people in so many different ways. It's a good bill. And um, it's one that goes further and deeper as the state becomes more diverse. So, I mean, we live in a country where, you know, obvious racial and ethnic difference fuels a lot of the discrimination. And opposition groups to this bill say that it would invite bias against Hindus and South Asians. Do you see any merit to those concerns? Uh, There has never been any mention of any religion in this bill from start to finish, number one. And the fact of the matter is that um, Cisco has argued that caste is not even covered by the law. And this is, you know, they even stated their chief legal compliance officer even stated that the legislature, they wouldn't mind if the legislature... By existing discrimination protections, you're saying? 100%, right? Uh, They first argued that it's not covered, right? Um, And so therefore, any discrimination that may have taken place is allowed, right? Which is exactly what we don't want. Um, This is not against any culture, religion, belief system, anything. This is purely you are not allowed to discriminate and prohibit people from advancing in any way just because you have a bias or a prejudice against them. Yeah. You know, you were saying that you feel like the bill will really help your constituents. And some people, not even necessarily opponents of the bill, have argued that workplace discrimination suits are already really difficult to prove. I mean, does adding the specific language of caste really change anything about the legal possibilities? Like, Yeah, because... Um, one, we cannot allow for the inequitable application of the law, you know, with some lawyers and judges thinking caste is covered and others not, right? So that's one of the clarities that this bill provides. Number two is the fact that, um, again, caste is so nuanced. It's not, not something that's simple. Hence why it was so important to not only include the word, but our definition, the definition from the United Nations, um, who have been studying the caste system for years and years and years. And have we also have the United Nations Special Rapporteur who, who wrote to the, the Judiciary Committee stating that this needs to be covered. In fact, the United Nations believes all jurisdictions should cover caste discrimination. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a bill that could make California the first state in the country to explicitly ban caste discrimination. Up first, we have Aisha Wahab, who's the state senator from Fremont, who has sponsored uh, the bill. We would love to hear from you. Have you witnessed caste-based discrimination in California? Do you identify uh, on a side of this particular debate? You can give us a call 
The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. The email is forum at kqed.org. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We're KQED Forum. I want to add another voice to our conversation. Suhag Shukla is the Hindu American Foundation's executive director and co-founder. Welcome, Suhag. Thanks, Alexis. Thanks for having me. So your organization has opposed this bill. Um, can you just talk about, you know, what are your basic concerns? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Look, for us and so many in the uh, South Asian diaspora, including many of Senator Wahab's constituents, the question is not whether we deal with any allegations of caste discrimination, but how. And the way in which um, this bill has been um, introduced and as it's proceeded, it unfortunately has the uh, consequence of stigmatizing all South Asians. So you have a departure from well-established non-discrimination policies where you have what's called facially neutral categories. They don't single out any single person, but then you have a category like caste that starting from sixth grade in California schools is taught as something that's inherent to India and Hinduism. And then that follows you all the way through, you know, dictionary definitions to even the UN. Fine, the UN uh, definition has been adopted, but even the UN um, talks about caste nearly exclusively um, to South Asia. I mean, given that, um, do you think that this bill would sort of meaningfully increase the amount of discrimination that South Asians or Hindus experience in this country, which... I, I, you know, I'm not disputing does and does happen. Right. Well, you know, if you look at the one and only um, survey that's been conducted on a mass scale of the realities of Indian Americans, um, and that's that was by the Carnegie Endowment for Peace, they found that 30 percent of those surveyed had reported facing discrimination on the basis of color, 18 on gender, 18 on religion, um, and about 1% on national origin. Um, What this does is it just opens the floodgates, and we know that it already has. I mean, ever since... um, You know, Cal State University um, introduced CAST into its policy, we have had a steady flow of complaints from um, South Asian workers, South Asian students who are facing stigma, facing racist questions um, by classmates, otherizing them, asking them about their caste and who, why they discriminate against people. So, look, the, the bottom line is, and, the, and Senator Wahab has admitted as much, and that is that existing policy already covered caste-based discrimination. So... For anyone who feels that they have faced a situation where um, in the workplace or at school where they've been denied an opportunity, obviously that's wrong and they need to file complaints. And um, if HR departments are not, um, you know, following through and it was mentioned earlier that um, these types of discrimination claims, any discrimination claim is difficult. Well, that just means that we need to a better job of training HR um, professionals on taking any allegations seriously and following consistent protocols that don't inadvertently mistreat people or uh, proceed on, you know, prejudices or stereotypes against any any complainant or the person that's being complained against. 
Senator Wahab, you know, some of your fellow lawmakers have expressed some hesitancy in supporting the bill and suggesting that maybe they could conduct more studies on the extent of caste-based discrimination in California. Um, what do you think about that? You know, I, I find it interesting because um, the Carnegie Endowment Survey that was recently just cited right now, uh, one of the things that I want to clarify is that they say that more than eight in 10 self-identify as belonging to the category of general or upper caste, number one. So that is a lot of bias in itself. Um, number two, it's they talk about the discrimination by who, who is doing the discrimination in that particular survey. And, you know, a lot of people are trying to say that this is only focused on one group or not. Um, it's not. So it, it includes Indians, non-Indians and people of both categories are almost equally to blame for types of discrimination. So. It is to protect all people from the different forms of discrimination. And I, I really want to highlight that the caste systems are everywhere. Uh, we've even mentioned in our presentation this past week that Nuri Martinez in the L.A. City Council redistricting scandal, where her comments regarding Oaxacans um, were a form of caste-based discrimination. Um, we've talked about that many, many times. Um, so I, I, I really want to highlight that caste type of systems belong in a lot of different communities, right? Uh, number one. Number two is the fact that uh, there have only been two individuals that have requested for uh, a study. And, you know, the sad, honest truth was that it was in conjunction with outside groups to water down this bill or the original request was to remove the word cast completely. And if you don't have the word cast, then it's like removing the word gender or age or race. Um, it's the most harmful thing you can do to this particular bill. And I'm very proud of the fact that the majority of the legislators, including the recent Assembly Judiciary Committee, passed this bill with not a single opposition vote. Yeah. Very similar to what we did in the Senate. Thank you, uh, Senator Aisha Wahab, uh, state senator from Fremont and author of SB 403. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you. We're talking about a bill that could make California the first state in the country to explicitly ban caste discrimination. Joined by state senator Aisha Wahab and Suhag Shukla of the Hindu American Foundation. Uh, I'm Alexis Madrigal. We'll be back with more right after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about a bill that could make California the first state in the country to explicitly ban caste discrimination. Earlier, we were joined by the bill's author, uh, State Senator Aisha Wahab. 
Still joined by Suhag Shukla, Hindu American Foundation Executive Director and Co-Founder. I want to add another couple voices to our conversation here. Sonia Paul is a freelance journalist who's been covering cast in the U.S. for years, teaches audio journalism for Uncuffed, a program in California state prisons, and she recently produced an audio documentary for the BBC named The Hidden Cast Codes of Silicon Valley. Welcome, Sonia. Hi, thanks for having me. We're also joined by Prem Pariyar, Alameda County Human Human Relations Commissioner and National Association of Social Workers Regency uh, Director. Welcome, Prem. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Prem. Um, Sonia, I wanted to ask you, for people who don't really know what caste is, you know, this, this bill deeply deals with this issue, but a lot of people don't actually know what caste is. They don't understand much of the history uh, across the world. Give us your sense of this as someone who's been reporting on this for, for years. Yeah, so we can simply understand caste, the caste system, as a birth-based social hierarchy. Um, and it has to do with work, um, a lot in South, in South Asia having to do with purity and pollution. Um, but you understand it as work and descent-based discrimination. Um, and the thing is with caste is that it's both visible and invisible. So in the South Asian context, um, last names can often give away a person's caste background, although this is not a bulletproof method. Uh, And so how people would try to locate someone's caste um, is by asking a series of questions like, what is your last name? Where are you from? Uh, What is your ancestral village? What did your parents do? Um, And when it comes to work, uh, there were historical occupations associated with different caste communities, right? Uh, Traditionally, you have the priestly caste, who is considered the top um, caste category, and people who were deemed to be at the bottom of the caste hierarchy then performed jobs and labor that were considered impure um, or dirty, uh, hence how we got that word untouchable. And I think what makes it maybe tricky for um, you know a non uh, someone who who has not been steeped in these traditions is it kind of cuts across race and class and religion like it kind of it is its own sort of separate category yeah when i started reporting on this particularly when we started thinking about these protected categories i started hearing people say something like well you have race national origin ancestry it's like caste is all of this and none of this um it's very particular and nuanced uh and you know There are legal scholars who have done research on this, and they have concluded um, existing law uh, would encompass caste, but those arguments have yet to be tested in the courts. Uh, The Cisco lawsuit that came out in 2020 was the first high-profile lawsuit alleging caste discrimination. Um, Actually, there was a previous lawsuit some years ago, too, about a Nepalese restaurant worker. But the Cisco lawsuit um, attracted a lot of attention for it being in Silicon Valley. And it it is using existing protections. But again, uh, people are saying there is a catch-22 because when Cass is not explicitly named, uh, some 
regulators are saying that uh, this is beyond the scope of what we're able to do. And Senator Aisha Wahab mentioned this earlier. Uh, Originally, Cisco didn't take its complaints of caste discrimination seriously because it said caste was not illegal. And what ended up happening is that person who is known as John Doe filed that lawsuit. Hmm. Hmm. Even though it would seem to be covered, I mean, at least somewhat covered under ancestry, right? Yeah, I think this has to do with whether people, human rights, oh, not human rights, uh, human resources, um, whether they have the wherewithal to want to understand Mm. that this exists and how to tackle it. Because as we've all been talking about, it is complex and you hear a range of perspectives and you hear a lot of people outright denying that caste or caste discrimination exists as well. So you're making it confusing for a Mm. lot of people Mm. who don't know this. Prem Pariyar, I want to ask you about your kind of personal direct experience. Have you experienced caste discrimination yourself? So, uh, you know, it is always very hard to talk about all these painful experiences being discriminated because of the past identity, time and room. Anyway, you know, so I experienced it from my childhood. Yeah. Uh, back in Nepal and, you know, my family, my family was very good back in Nepal. Not only that, you know, uh, those two flea caste apartheid came to this country. And uh, here in this country also, like, you know, I, I did not expect, like, I would be discriminated uh, based on my caste community. Uh, I experienced it at my workplace, place of course, uh, at uh, school premises and in, in, in the family get together here in California. Yeah. So, uh, like, you know, I'm a Hindu Nepali Dalit. Whenever I say my I'm a Hindu, my one Nepali diaspora community looks surprised. And, and you know, like, I, I would be humiliated by like you know, uh, they humiliate me saying that oh do you do you do Bratabanda? What is your funeral culture? What do you do in Janai Purnima? So many unnecessary questions I have to face. Hmm. And the next thing, I'm a vegetarian from my childhood. When I say I'm a vegetarian, they make fun of me. They make jokes saying oh Dalits are also vegetarian. And we, we Brahmins are no vegetarian. Things have changed, you know. Being vegetarian, you can't be Brahmin, Prem. You know, saying these things, they often embarrass me, hmm. insulted me so many times. You can't imagine that. And so you asked, you know, me the question related to my experience. So let me talk ab- uh, about my personal experience at the work- workplace. When I was in restaurant, I mean, when I was a restaurant worker, my co-workers from dominant caste or so-called upper caste didn't allow me to share the room with them provided by the restaurant workers because of my caste. I was forced to live in a van for a month. I faced similar discrimination in other restaurants job too. You know, I yeah. decided... Restaurant work is not for me. Prem, thank you so much for um, sharing that experience. Um, I, you know, 
As I'm listening to this, Sonia and Prem talking about, you know, not being able to live in place with the his co-workers as sort of anticipated, are we just talking about in this bill, you know, just workplace discrimination or would this sort of protect people in a in a broader sense? That's the thing. Uh you know, when we talk about discrimination, people can be privately prejudiced. You know, like we can't be racist in the workplace, but we all know some people would make certain remarks at home. But I think people who are supportive of this bill say that they hope that this will trickle, trickle down from the workplace to private and personal experiences as well. When you name, we don't tolerate caste discrimination, it sends a signal, mm. especially when caste is explicitly named. Yeah. Let's um, go to the phones. We know lots of people want to talk about um, about this issue. Let's um, go first to Monica in Santa Cruz. Welcome, Monica. Hi, thank you. Um, I know that the caste um, is similar and different from, from class, but I, my experiences in India also tell me that Although I, you know, I wouldn't say I'm in, in favor of the caste system. At least it makes it, it it clear. It's more obvious that the discrimination is 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 happening and accepted versus I feel like class in Silicon Valley or the states. Like, it class discrimination happens a lot regardless of who you are, and it's much more subtle and sort of insidious. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering what you all see as the connection between class and caste. And I guess more specifically, is there any? bills or laws that actually ban people from um, discriminating in the workplace, um, uh, you know, against class. Thanks. Hey, thank you so much uh, for that. Sonia? Yeah, so we're very familiar with racism, classism, and in my reporting, um, I introduced these elements to try to explain what's going on, but it's imperfect, right? And... uh, When we seek to simply parallel it to race or class, what we end up doing, um, and I'm borrowing this from a line I read in a New Yorker article, actually, about Isabel Wilkerson's book, Cast, Uh um, which is really about race and racism in America. We we end up both um, illuminating and collapsing complex history. Mm. So in Silicon Valley, a lot of the people who are from oppressed caste backgrounds who are now working there, historically, maybe they came from various class backgrounds, but here they're probably earning comparable incomes as people who come from historically privileged caste backgrounds as well, right? And so um, some of the Dalits I've talked to about this say that actually race and racism more more closely parallels caste than classism does, mm-hmm. although there are different ways we try to make all these various associations just to understand what's happening. But, for example, think about um, a black man driving late at night. That person could be a white-collar professional or somebody who works, you know, a more working-class job. And police might still feel compelled to stop them simply because they're black, right? Um, And that's what Dulles say as well, that it doesn't matter how high you go on the class hierarchy, uh, this background will always stay with you. So, Alex Shukla, I mean, how how would you discuss this particular issue, you know, trying to kind of locate how to think about caste in amongst these sort of class, race, 
uh, ethnicity kind of distinctions that people might be more familiar with? So I, I think it's it's been made evidently clear that that caste is um, a complex topic. If you look at Indian law, it's an administrative category where thousands of communities are either designated as depressed classes or they're they're not. If they are designated as such, then they are eligible for um, different quotas in the workplace and education, et cetera. Um, but I, I just want to clarify a few things that, First, caste is not like race or gender uh, because everyone has a race, everyone has a gender, everyone has an ethnicity. Not everyone has a caste. And therein lies kind of the crux of this issue. Um, to How anyone about religion? Caste, I was, I was, um, I, yeah. and I, I've heard you say this, and I, and I, I think it's really an, an interesting point. And I was just, just genuinely curious about, you know, not everyone would say they have a religion. That's true. That's also that, a protected category. Right. But but religion also has different standards, um, it, at least in the legal perspective, than when you look at um, discrimination on the basis of race, mm -hmm. um, you're going to have a higher level of, of burden, strict scrutiny when you're looking at laws or actions um, that might act uh, in a differential, you know, proceed with differential treatment on the basis of race. But a couple of things that I think are important here, um, you know, there's only one case that we know of, at least that's active. There might have been one or two in the past, but one that's really made the headlines, and that's the Cisco case. And I think that that's a really good example of what might happen now that um, it looks like caste is proceeding, even though it's a clarification and no longer a standalone class alongside race and ethnicity in SB 403. So you have two engineers of Indian origin, Sundar Iyer and Ramana Kampela. Sundar Iyer um, is classmates with John Doe, who's the plaintiff who self-identifies as Dalit, which is um, a term that that some identify that would have been scheduled caste or OBCs in India. OBC is other backward class, SC is scheduled caste, and these are what I had said earlier as depressed classes. So John Doe says that Sundar Iyer discriminated against him or harassed him on the basis of caste. Sundar Iyer and John Doe were classmates. Sundar Iyer recruited um, John Doe. Uh, part of his um, signing package was several million dollars in stock grants, as well as being hired at the highest level that an engineer could be hired at. Now, one of the contentions that John Doe makes is that he did not receive a uh, promotion or a job some mm -hmm. you know director of research and development or something like that. I, I can't remember the details. But that position and the two other head positions, so there were three head positions in this division, um, were all offered to another Dalit candidate. And one was, in fact, held by another Dalit. So well, here's, I think yeah. that no, yeah, and, it's a and so, yeah. story. You know, everyone has kind of vilified these two individuals. They had to go into hiding for three years. I mean, if you Google Cisco and cast, there are literally thousands of articles. And these are two Indian origin engineers. The other one, Ramana Kompela, um, the, the allegation is that he required John Doe to submit weekly reports because some deadlines had been missed. But there, Ramana Kampela was actually following the directives of his white supervisor, asking Ramana to tell John. Well, Doe, I think you know, Suha, you here's, know, here's no. the question that kind of arises for me, and 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 thanks for yeah. filling in, you know, that history. I, I recognize, you know, 
the Cisco case, very complicated, also like emblematic here. Yeah. I mean, I think the question is, do you think caste discrimination exists in the U.S.? I, I, it may, it may. And, and I think that our existing laws can be the judge of that rather than look, even CSU, um, in our conversations, um, with faculty members there who were talking with the administration, the administration admitted that they had never had a complaint of caste-based discrimination. Um, so, you know, even if you look at Brown University, which is not in California, but they too, the administrator there also said that, well, we've never really had an issue and caste is already covered in ancestry. Well, then my question is that if it's already covered under ancestry, if someone comes forward, then why not investigate it as an ancestry based um, complaint and see if the facts fall into line and then take um you know, take actions accordingly and provide redress where it's appropriate. Yeah. Sonia, you know, it does seem like a pretty much a fact that within the legal system, there haven't been very many caste discrimination cases brought. And there are a lot of um, South Asian people here in the Bay Area working in these things. Like, what do you make of the sort of lack of representation for this within the legal system? How do you mean? Exactly? Like, do you do you do you think that people are just not bringing discrimination cases because it doesn't exist, or because they don't see a path forward to being able to do that? There are a few different things that are happening, right? First of all, caste is not very well known; it's invisible to most people, and I would count a lot of South Asians in that category as well. Um, scholars have noted this. Uh, it's in my own reporting that when you come from historically privileged communities, you might not see uh, prejudice that exists within those communities, right? Then after that, caste is not clearly defined in the law or in most HR policies. Then you have the pushback for not even uh, coming forward with a caste complaint, but for even speaking about caste. And then a lot of the people who experience this kind of discrimination um, also are here on vulnerable immigration statuses. So there are a lot of reasons people might not come forward willingly, even if this discrimination is existing. We're talking about a bill that could make California the first state in the country to explicitly ban caste discrimination, joined by Suhag Shukla and Sonia Paul. We'll be back with more right after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. 
I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about a bill that could make California the first state in the country to explicitly ban caste discrimination. Joined by Sonia Paul, freelance journalist who's been covering caste in the U.S. for years, teaches audio journalism for Uncuffed, a program in California state prisons. And she recently produced an audio documentary for the BBC named The Hidden Caste Codes of Silicon Valley. We're also joined by the Hindu American Foundation Executive Director and co-founder Suhag Shukla, Earlier, we spoke with Aisha Wahab, state senator from Fremont, and Prem Pariyar. Um, we're going to go to the phones in a second, but I just wanted you to expand a, a tiny bit on the point that you were making before the break, Sonia, about the immigration status of uh, many folks. We know that many of our listeners and also many people who work here in the tech industry are on you know, H-1B visas or some other kinds of temporary visas. How do you think that would prevent people from talking more openly about discrimination they may or may face? When you're on an H-1B visa, your ability to live in this country is tied to your work, like very literally. That visa is a an ability to work here in this country. Um, so with social networks, WhatsApp networks, word of mouth sort of being what it is, not only in different communities, but also in different industries, um, this tends to silence people even further. And I've done a lot of reporting on the H-1B community outside of CAS as well. Many people do not want to talk to media because they feel that anything that could risk uh, their ability to be here is not worth it. Um, We also have to understand that there is a green card backlog for Indians when it comes to the H-1B visa, because um, our country actually has like quotas for the number of visas that will allocate to people from different countries. And three quarters, around three quarters of all H-1B visas go to people from India. So um, they are disproportionately represented in the H-1B population. And so with the conversation around caste, and as I mentioned earlier, the difficulty with even bringing this up, then you have the H-1B visa and, you know, workplace discrimination or harassment, however people are perceiving this. Um, A lot of people don't really have the wherewithal to come forward. Uh, That might not be worth it for them because they're actually just trying to work out their ability to just live here and work Mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. All right, let's bring in uh, Anel in San Ramon. Welcome. Yeah, hi. Uh, thank you for giving me that opportunity. So it's a question um, to, to Senator Wahab. Why is that this caste thing is only being, you know, uh, proposed for the Hindu community? There are other backward classes in the Muslim, uh, from the Muslim society as well, like the Kasab, the Omar, the Sheikh. Why is that, especially the Hindu community, is being targeted? And, you know, my, my last name is Kundu. Like, uh, can you tell from my uh, from my surname what my caste is? Like the other day, I talked to my son. Hey, you know what's your caste? He was completely surprised. What do you mean by that? What 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 caste is? So I feel this is very wrongfully been you know put up uh, put upon this Hindu community just to you know divide the society because they are doing so good economically. Just remember, one percent of this population contributes to about eight percent of the United States. 
tax system. And it is a deliberate way to not, you know, to kind of, you know, bog the Hindu community down. This is another way to kind of, you know, put us down and, and to kind of shame us, defame us. So yeah. I'm yeah. so I'm really sorry to kind of hear that you know I myself has been uh, have been on the H1B side when I came to this country with just two suitcases and just through sheer hard work and excellence you know whatever I've built in my career it's 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 same for every person coming from India they all they get is two suitcases and only through hard work they have come here now that the next generation is doing good like if you go to Berkeley to Stanford yeah. it's, all the, uh, it's all the Indian population it's all the Indian kids I feel it's a wrong way to kind of you know divide us so uh, that no, can we I, get less opportunity can I ask you this I mean do you think that caste discrimination exists you know here or in India I mean is that something you you think just is like a fiction that was invented or is something that you think is real so uh in in india it might uh but also another thing it was the british who which brought in this in our hindu religion it is called the varna v-a-r-n-a like you know you can google about it but here in the united states i have so many friends i have i have a countless number of muslim friends also right i mean i don't go and ask anybody that hey what's your caste like my name, my surname is Kundu. Can you make out what what caste I am out of? So I think it's very wrongfully put upon our you know Hindi community. Hey, thank you so much for um, your perspective, Anil. You know, Sonia, I, I, the there was a, a mention of the British sort of. Um, obviously, there's this colonial history. This is a very. Um, deep and complex topic, the way that sort of British colonialism mapped onto pre-existing divisions uh, and hierarchies within Indian society. Can you talk a little bit about that for people who might have kind of heard that reference and been like, oh, wait, did the British, you know, we we do know that race as a system, you know, was largely imposed by colonial uh, forces. Talk to me about that. Yeah. I, uh, so, you know, when people say it's a oh. British construct, they're talking about the word caste itself. It originates in the Portuguese word casa, um, which kind this of... This is Suhag Shukla talking, by yeah, the way. Yeah. So. Um, it gained currency around the time the concept of race and, you know, inferiority and superiority being linked to skin color um, was gaining uh, currency in, in, in Europe. And so you do have a number of indigenous um, ways of socially identifying and grouping in India. And Europeans come in and see these differences, these complex societies, and kind of flatten them under this category of caste. So what, how, when people talk about it being a British construct, how caste is a reality today is as a legal fiction and an administrative category. And that that entire legal apparatus is rooted in British census exercises where um, communities, thousands of them, were kind of uh, through census exercises designated in particular means. And so what you know as today's modern day um, caste identities, at least the administrative categories of scheduled caste uh, other backward class and scheduled tribes are, are originate from like 1938 census exercises. Um, but I want to bring up just a couple of things if I can. One is, you know, Senator Wahab said that, well, this isn't associated with any particular religion. But I think what is not perhaps 
readily seen on the face of the bill, but you'll see it in, say, the uh, Judiciary Committee's analysis, is that the chief organization that um, has worked with Senator Wahab, Equality Labs, on this bill, very frequently and overtly equates caste and caste discrimination with the Hindu religion. So that's where um, some of that is coming. I also wanted to just address H-1B and the vulnerability because it cuts both ways. We have heard from hundreds of tech workers where since CSU, since uh, Cisco, and now with SB 403, um, conversations about caste um, have been um, very toxic in the workplace where South Asians are otherized. And you have a lot of people who are h one be engineers or tech workers, and they're coming to us saying, what should I do? I mean, this is making um, all of us as South Asians uh, targeted. Um, people who are not South Asian are making blanket statements about how we're inherently bigoted, and we don't know where to go. We're afraid that we're going to lose our jobs. Um, and so it, it does cut both ways. We can't just think of this as making H-1Bs vulnerable because they're not going to come forward because they faced caste discrimination, but the larger and broader um, context here is that South Asians as a whole have now been disparaged and demonized um, as a as a result of SB 403. There's one thing I'm sure of in this debate. It's that many people's co-workers have said some extremely ignorant things to them about, oh, about, about this topic. Um, <laughs> let me, me included. <laughs> let me um, read you this comment, um, Suhag, from uh, one of our listeners. Um, Jean writes, I witnessed caste-based discrimination in the high-tech job I used to hold. My direct report employee was assigned to work with a woman in another group on a project. But that woman discriminated against her and stated that she, quote, hates the people in that cast. That would be the cast that my direct employee fell into. I don't believe that the fact that some members of the South Asian community don't want others to be made aware of the that discrimination is a reason not to implement a law designed to prevent discrimination by caste. To me, it's not that much different from how many people don't want critical race theory taught in schools because they don't like the people are indirectly being informed of the existence of the history of the racial discrimination. Do you do you accept that kind of mapping from, you know, talk not wanting necessarily to talk about race because it might reflect poorly on white people? Do you accept that mapping to the debate that we're talking about here? No, I don't, because the key difference here is that existing law already covers that situation for I think it was Jean. Um she should have instructed um, the 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 woman who said that she wasn't going to work with them that that was not lawful and that she would have to write her up and um, and it should have been reported to HR if that if that happened. Um, I don't think that again you're talking about 1.5 percent of the entire U.S. population, so a micro minority by every definition. And now all of a sudden we're having a conversation about this, you know, um, insidious form of discrimination that's occurring widely, which there is no evidence of that. And that's not to deny that there might be incidents of caste discrimination um, that might have occurred. However, to say that it's happening at a scale that we need to depart from 
the basic principles of equal protection that say that we create these categories that don't single anyone out. I just don't think that the facts align with um, the political uh, realities of what has driven um, a bill that does single out and target South Asians. Um, Sonia, I mean, while it is true that, you know, in the American population, um, South Asians are a small you know, percentage of the overall population. In Silicon Valley, when you, where you've done a lot of your reporting, what do you see in terms of like local concentrations of folks who might, you know, have this particular, you know, ancestry or cultural background? Yeah. So I will tell you a little bit about the reporting I did for this BBC documentary. I I went outside a grocery store in Sunnyvale that that is 24 hours, like serves free chai. And um, I really just wanted to find out what do people think about caste? And the responses I got really teach you um, how people understand this, how people feel about this, which is like, oh, don't go there. That's a taboo topic. Or yes, this totally exists. People just don't want to mention it. It is very much here, but people don't want to talk about it. Or no, I've never seen this. Um, you know, I've never seen this in India as well. Uh, so we have these concentrated uh, cities and neighborhoods now where a lot of South Asians, predominantly Indian Americans, live. And in my conversations with people, they're very open. Oh, yes, casteism exists. Um, and there's and some people who uh, are for this bill will see a variation in what is the definition of casteism or caste discrimination, right? Some people see the evidence of caste identity as itself, caste discrimination, which is not necessarily what would be the legal definition. You know, the legal definition is, um, is there harassment? Is there wage theft? Is there harm being done because of this identity category? Um, but we have to ask, where are people coming from with this topic? And even with the studies that have been done on caste or on the social realities of Indian Americans. Actually, I spoke with the lead author of that study about this, and he remarked that any survey of caste in the diaspora is going to be very, very difficult um, because you're dealing with what people suspect is a very small population and because the topic itself is so cagey for people, so taboo, mm -hmm. they may not want to identify with that identity category mm -hmm. at all. They may not come forward. Mm -hmm. Let's go uh, to the phones. Um, Sri in uh, Belmont, welcome. Yeah, hey. Um, let me make sure I'm on. I'll yeah, you're on. You're yeah. on. You're good. <laughs> you hear me? Okay. Yep. Uh, yeah. So, um, actually, thanks for taking the call. Uh, so, I, um, I'm a first generation. Uh, you know, I was born here. Um, I don't think I've personally experienced uh, caste discrimination, as far as I know. Uh, but I, I will say that the the kind of counter arguments to this bill. I don't know, they, they ring a little hollow to me, and they're a bit strange, to be honest. Um, the idea that, I mean, unfortunately, you know, people are tribal. I mean, you look at what's happening in this country in the last, like, six to seven years, and it should come as no surprise that we, we found many reasons to discriminate against each other, regardless of whether you're of Indian origin or, or not. And uh, I will say that growing up in my household, um, you know, with my parents who came to this country in the 70s and 60s, actually, um, it got brought up a lot. I mean, it, I was, I was uh, visiting with my parents just recently and they will say something 
uh, derogatory about somebody in a different cast that they ran into in a temple or, or somebody, I don't know, some, you know, friend of a friend, they heard some story about somebody's marriage and they'll bring it up. I mean, I feel like the issue of cast, at least I've been exposed to it in some way, shape or form in, a, in conversation mm-hmm. at home very regularly over the course of my life. So I wouldn't be surprised at all that especially, um, you know, that there's some subtle ideas there that uh, people, you know, might bring to places like the workplace or, or other, you know, domains. And I think that, um, you know, especially if you're coming from India and that's going to be much more kind of uh, in your, you know, um, kind of something you're growing up with much more so than maybe I was where it just came up in conversation randomly, you know, mm-hmm. uh, at home. Uh, I would imagine that would be much more present in your thinking, again, either in an insidious way or in a maybe more um, obvious way. Uh, so I think the idea that it's not present or that it's somehow not an issue. Uh, I mean, there's so many reasons people don't bring up discrimination. I mean, you can look at sexual harassment. You can look at race. I mean, you know, some I'm not going to make up a number, but I would guess the large majority of these cases never see the light of day because there's stigmatization in the workplace. Right. Like you're, you don't want to be a troublemaker at work, regardless of your visa status. Yeah. Again, born here, all that stuff. People aren't going to come forward for a variety of reasons that have nothing to do with their immigration status. They just don't want to be blackballed in the workplace. Right. Yeah, that's a common problem for regardless of, of all the cash. things. Yeah. Street, thank you so much. Um, really appreciate uh, that perspective as as well. You know, um, Sonia, Paul, wanted to ask about um, where this bill goes from here. Like if people are following this, how do they, you know, just with our last uh, few seconds here, how do people keep in, in touch with this? Uh, you can go to the California State Assembly website. <laughs> there are a lot of different versions of the bill, uh, key committee dates. Um, now it's past the Judiciary Committee, the Assembly Judiciary Committee, and it still has to go through other uh, committees like an Appropriations Committee, which is basically about the budget. Mm-hmm. And then there's supposed to be a final um, Assembly vote on the bill, like in late August, early September, if I am correct. Um, but also if you just Google CAS, California, SB403, you'll find a lot of information. There are a lot of active groups following this. Yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Sonny Paul. Recently produced an audio documentary for the BBC named The Hidden CAS Codes of Silicon Valley. We've also been joined by Suhag Shukla, Hindu American Foundation Executive Director and Co-Founder. Really appreciate um, you coming on and talking with us, Suhag. Thanks a lot, Alexis. Earlier, we spoke with Aisha Wahab, the state senator from Fremont, who authored uh, SB 403 and Prem Pariyar, Alameda County Human Relations uh, Commissioner, about uh, his experience of, uh, of cast here in the United States. Thank you so much to all of you who called in and commented. We know this is a controversial issue and appreciate uh, everyone's perspectives. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with guest host Scott Schaefer. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. 
Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.